Welcome to the show. Welcome to my leadership masterclass where I have conversations with the C-suite. And today I'm so happy to have you, but not in the capacity of a marketing officer though, but I have a completely different topic on which you're the boss. But yeah, welcome to the show and how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for uh, having me. We were just talking that we met in person two years ago at MWC and we stayed connected on LinkedIn. Congratulations on your book. So I, so amazing to, to see women like us doing so great. Yeah, and congratulations on your book launch too. And you know, I just checked it out on Amazon this last weekend. It has got raving reviews with five stars. Yes, five stars on Amazon. It's in the top selling list. Man, you're you're a rock star. I I, I have to tell you, in in such a male dominated world, you're you're really standing out with, you know, all the things that you do. And we we're all rooting for you, uh, and for all the things that you do. But that said, I mean, I'm just going to introduce you, uh, to our audience for people that don't know, and then let's get going on the topic. Okay, so viewers, welcome to this episode where I speak to Yugina. She needs no introduction, right? She is known as Yugina Jordan on LinkedIn. And as we speak, I'm just going through her LinkedIn profile. She has 32,000 followers approximately. She is the chief marketing officer of Telecom Infra Project. She is an avid proponent of diversity. She gives a vociferous voice for women women in leadership roles, women in powerful roles. And she she is somebody that anybody can bank on for giving a shout out in LinkedIn. If you had something meaningful to say, you can absolutely assume and expect Yugina to support you. And she is personally anchored for me. She has motivated me. She, is, she has promoted me on uh, LinkedIn, even at times when she didn't know about me. But earlier, I mean, Yugina is known for one other aspect of her personality, which is to be such a strong technical force in the telecom industry. She has won multiple awards, the most recent one being a Glomo Award, which is a very coveted award in the telecom space. And she continues to uh, promote the cause of women uh, through her participation in Chief and also the other initiatives that she anchors. You're free to follow her on LinkedIn. She shares very, very informative posts almost on a regular basis. And that also gives courage for so many other women to follow suit. Yugina, welcome once again. Oh my God, that's such a wonderful and warm introduction. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you. Okay, so let's go. You're the Chief Marketing Officer of uh, Telecom Infra. But that's not what I'm going to talk to you about today. You're also renowned in the industry for your extraordinary efforts towards diversity and the voice of women in the tech industry. Now, I just want you to tell me, how do you got on this path? There must have been something that got you on this path and to say, okay, I, I got to give this voice for this purpose. What got you started on this path? It is a very good question. And I talk about it in um, the law of purpose in my book. When I achieved, when I became an executive VP in my previous company, executive VP of marketing, I already achieved great you know, success in my professional life. And then I looked around the leadership room and the leadership was very male and was very white. So, and I wanted to make sure that my purpose was serving people like me. They propped me up. 
they lifted me as I was climbing. They supported me. So that's how I realized what my purpose was. And I started fulfilling it by lifting others, mentoring, sponsoring them. I was just texting with um, one of my former mentees. I mentioned her name in a meeting where she could be a great speaker. So that's how I became a um, voice in this industry because we once, I believe, once we reach a level in our career, it's not about money, it's not about titles, it's about what's going to go on your tombstone when you die. Yeah. Yeah. So usually the starting point for anyone, right? Anyone that starts on, and that too, I mean, you're so committed to it. Like you're, why I say that is because the consistency that you show, um, you know, and you've been showing for years shows in itself, right? So usually, you know, people get triggered to proactively contribute towards such things because of some life incident that happened to them, which says, okay, I mean, this is the path I'm going to take. I know it's slightly on the personal side. Was there any such moment for you that said, that's it, I'm going to do this. Was there any such trigger or life moment that got you on this path? That is a good question. And it's probably multiple touch points in my career. And it all started with me asking, why not me? Yeah. When people were saying, oh, you, you don't have a marketing degree or you only have a computer undergrad. You don't have an engineering degree. And I said, why not me? You learn. So, and it motivated me. So I always look back when I started in the industry and seeing people coming to me, young mentees or young women or other underrepresented individuals. I think that those are the touch points that keep me going. I was recently giving a data point, and you would be probably surprised that in telecom, the data point I always use it. We only have 12% in telecom in the C-suite of female representation. But another data point is that telecom industry is 69 or 70% men over 55. Wow. Mm. And if you remember MWC, there is no lines to women's bathrooms. Yeah. So my personal goal, and again, GSMA, I'm very, very sorry, but by the time I retire in 10, 15 years, I want bathrooms to, I want lines to female bathrooms at MWC. Wow. <laughs> That's 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 such a small, but that's such an impactful, um, you know, way of uh, putting it. Okay, now let's talk about diversity in corporate cultures, right? I mean, it's great to know. So it's not enough to have one yogina or one leader, right? I mean, we are talking about uh, companies consciously building a culture of diversity and promoting the cause of equal representation, right? We are not saying women only or men only. So, so what is your overall? Uh, thinking about how organizations approach diversity. So there are two lines of thought. One is they build a chief uh, diversity office, they hire someone and they drive the charter. But there are other uh, cultures and examples where 
every leader that has a budget to spend is being given a charter to also be inclusive, right? What is what is your thinking on how uh, you know an organization should structure and you know promote and actually achieve diversity? What is the best way to go about this? So you're describing either top down when you hire a leader or grassroots. Yeah. So I believe it depends on the organization, its size. Um, if it's a large organization, it's definitely a grassroots approach where every single manager, every single team member is um, taking training on how to be more diverse and inclusive and how to deal with biases and how to address those unconscious biases. In smaller organizations, it might be a chief people officer or diversity officer that is driving that strategy from top down to every single leader so they can bring um, those topics, they can educate, and they can also put it in their metrics uh, as corporate objectives. Because unless, uh, unless it's attached to a corporate goal, unless it's attached to a person's bonus and performance, we're not going to succeed. Yes. For example, TIP is very committed to gender diversity on our panels. So we have a corporate objective at TIP to have female representation at our flagship mm. event. It's 30%. Wow. So it's 30% in October. That's our target. We made it public. We put it on the website. We all sign up. And we all, we all are working very hard, including our board, to ensure we achieve it. So strategy starts with objectives, KPIs, and driving accountability. Got it. Okay, that's good. So, um, so since you're talking about, um, you know, setting up an office, like what are the challenges women are facing in rising towards higher roles in these career and actually to achieve those coveted positions, right? Setting up a diversity office is just one part of the problem. Right. The second part of it is women themselves being ready, um, uh, you know, being able to catch those positions. Right. But we are still not in. See, this con topic of diversity has been there for a decade. Right. But we still don't see that many women representation. So what do you think is, is, is failing to make the two ends meet? There is a diversity office. There are these women, but the two don't seem to meet. Is it because uh, women are having some fundamental challenges that are not being surfaced? Or is it really there is a lack of sponsorship in spite of having such offices? What, where do you think this gap still exists? So I would say the gap, and I'm going to tell you two stories. The gap exists between how women see themselves. Mm -hmm. And the story is when we look at the job description, a VP or C-level, we self um we, we judge ourselves and we self-select ourselves out of that role because we say, oh, I only have 70%. Mm -hmm. So, and I might not apply because I might not be the best candidate. Yeah. So I would encourage you when you see that you have 70%, you just go, oh my God, I only need to learn 30% and apply for that job anyways. So don't be unlimited like my book says. But the other thing is, and this is the second story comes in, 
I was at an industry conference maybe six weeks ago, and I love pink. Love pink. It's wearing pink lipstick. I have this, my favorite pink blazer. My book is all pink, right? And I was sitting next to a gentleman. I just finished a media interview with Forbes analyst. And I turned around to a gentleman that was sitting next to me and I was just being friendly. And I said, what do you do? So he assessed me, pink blazer, pink, pink lipstick. And he started telling what he did. And he was spelling every single industry acronym, like CU, DU, RU, RIC. And I was listening because I knew my turn was going to come. And then he asked me what I did. And I said, I'm a chief marketing officer. And by the way, I have 12 patents on the things that you just spelled out for me. I <laughs> drop. But I took it a little bit further because it's our responsibility to educate when yeah. we see bias happening. And I said, you judged me like when you sat next to me and he said, yeah, I did. And he apologized and I explained to him and it was a lesson that he would probably take in his workplace. And at the meeting, he might say, oh, yeah, you're judging this person because of how they look, how they sound. So the second one is calling the biases out. And the first one is women building their confidence and going after that job. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way we are going to be able to achieve the diversity uh, goals, right? Well said. So the next question for me is, let's talk about, you know, one, we talk of, talked about women holding themselves and you know not building that confidence or what we call as the imposter syndrome that that plagues everyone right the second one is do workplace still uh you know unconsciously have that bias for example as you know i mean i know of an initiative in microsoft where um, they proactively build aiml tools to watch out for the bias in the language that we continuously uh, use in the workplace which actually favor the the male gender, right? And, you know, so there, so there are reports and there are numerous studies that say that in spite of having a diversity office, in spite of women wanting and aspiring more than they have ever done in the past, unconscious workplace buyers in terms of language, in terms of how networking is done, and, you know, what are the kind of opportunities that are being passed down still exist very predominantly. Do you agree? What is your observation? So there's a lot to unpack in this question, and that's why I took some notes. Huh? Number one, imposter syndrome. Yeah. What I suggest in my book is write down your accomplishments, because I bet there is uh, so many. It's probably going to take more than, you know, one notebook page. Write down the, those accomplishments. Look at them and say, wow, I've achieved a lot. Take a picture of it. Favorite it. And next time when that imposter syndrome, that little voice that in your ear, you look at that image and you say, nope, the, this is the voice is wrong. I've achieved a lot. Yes. The other one is, you're absolutely right. The AI models we are building because you need to put the data in 
when you write the job descriptions, it's written with the male in mind. Um, you need to make sure that you have teams that are diverse, that can provide the diverse data to feed into AI and those models. Because as we say, garbage in. Yeah. <laughs> right? Garbage out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the other one is networking. Third one. So the way men and women network is so very different because women, we seek connection and we also seek to help our networks and to develop meaningful relationships. Knowing that, what companies need to do is to provide those opportunities, networking events. We just hosted, no, not, not just, um, at MWC this year, TIP hosted a networking event and it was very well received because women were able to network the way we network by building relationships. Knowing that is provide those opportunities to your employees via clubs, via virtual events, so people can network the way that feels natural to them. Got it. Got it. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. So now um, we often also hear that, um, you know, even if given a seat at the table, right? Um, uh, I mean, it goes back to your points. It may sound like a repeat question, but I think it is worth repeating to hammer the point that we are trying to make, right? I mean, uh, you, you, for sure, you have heard about Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In uh, book, right? Where she continuously calls out that women don't raise their hands enough and, you know, volunteer for the top jobs and you know bring their own share if they are even not offered a seat at the table right even when they are there um you know the ability to smell uh, good opportunities take those risks and just go for it it is it is not still very prevalent right women don't lean in enough something is always holding them back right um so how do we how do organizations address this right i mean how do organizations so even if a woman is not confident um, should 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 leaders sponsor roles and you know to help them to build their confidence because confidence comes from doing, right? Uh, or how how to do this, right? Women still lack that confidence. So as a chief diversity office, what can some of the initiatives be done uh, to increase that participation and to build that confidence in women? I'm gonna again answer two part. Yeah. The first one is we ask women to lean in. Why don't we ask men to lean out? Because we need sponsors. I'm sorry, I'm working from home with three dogs. So okay. they agree with me. They, yeah, they just, <laughs> they agreeing with me. So the male dog said, yes, we need to lean in, uh, lean out. So why do we ask women to lean in? Men need to lean out. What does it mean? Sponsor. Because um, men normally sponsor people that look like them. They remind um, themselves, they remind them of their younger selves. And that's why women, they 40% Le less chances of getting a sponsorship. Sponsor a woman, lean out, mention their name. 
But the other one is, I'm going to quote Michelle Obama when she was launching her first book. She was quoted to say that you cannot have it all. Yeah. That BS doesn't work. You can have career at certain point of your life and then family at certain point of your life. So we need to be very flexible with women. And we need to allow them balance, balance. their lives. So I was talking to um, UK government a couple of weeks ago, and they're going to reintroduce um, a returning mothers program. And it is very important that we understand that women want to have it all, but they cannot have it all at the same time. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And um, so you recently launched Unlimited. We did mention it in the beginning. And, you know, it speaks about several success laws for women uh, in the workplace, right? So tell us about the book. And you know, what is the background? How did they originate? How did it originate? Um, uh, how long have you been writing? What is the central theme of the book? So this is my proof copy. So is it, so, and the book is structured in three parts. Mm -hmm. three parts. Yeah. yeah. So part number one, it's all about us women, like you were saying, building confidence. So it's in the title of part one is Take control of your destiny. Then the second one, as we're talking through this conversation, it's about it takes a village. You cannot do it alone. Networking, your communities, your family, your uh, your support circle. Yeah. And then the last one, we already answered it at the beginning. It's about what's next. What is your purpose? It's for leaders like us when we're at that level in the career. And it's broken down in 17 laws. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about how we can control our destiny, we talk about self-awareness. We talk about not acting like a victim. I talk about how to negotiate and so on. And then in the second part, I talk about how to network, knowing that as women, we network differently. Yeah. And then in the last one, one of the laws is don't be the last one. Don't be, you might have been the only at some part of your career. Just don't be the last Beautiful. one. Beautiful. How it all started during COVID, I read about 50 books in the three months that we were in the lockdown. And as I put the last one, back on my bookshelf, I realized that they were all, majority of them were written by men or white men. Where were the immigrant books? Where were the books from females? I love Carly Harris, one of my favorite books or Liz Wiseman Multipliers, but they were far and few in between. So I decided I'm gonna write my own book. And then, Later that year, I attended MWC Americas in Los Angeles, and I did a career session for young adults from underrepresented backgrounds. And there was this African-American lady, she came to me, young lady, after the session, and she said, oh my God, now I know I can be unlimited. 
And she said, she held my hand like this and she said, you need to write the book. You promise, you promise. I made a promise and I kept it. So to that young lady, thank you for inspiring me. The book is now, does exist. <laughs> and go and get yourself a copy and become unlimited. Yeah, <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. Um, so tell us about some important takeaways um, from your uh, book, right? I mean, what are, is if there are any specific laws, um, I know it is written in a law style. So are there any specific or favorite laws and, um, you know, that you would like to, uh, that you would like to call out? So my favorite law is probably one of the first ones. It's the law of the system. The system exists. Let, let's make sure that we all are on the same page. The system exists, but we cannot allow the system to limit ourselves. Because as I say, if when I started climbing my career, someone told me, oh, you cannot do it because you're immigrant. Or you cannot do marketing because English is your second language. Or you cannot come up with ideas for patents because we're not an engineer. I wouldn't become the CMO. I wouldn't um, ideate 12 patents. Yes, the system exists, but don't blame the system. If you're not succeeding, blame yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. So how is the book doing so far? I mean, I I, I know how it is doing, but it, I'd also like to uh, know from you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So in the first week, it became um, number one Amazon bestseller in um, category of women in business and leadership. Um, I'm, I've launched it as a Kindle and now it's launched as a paperback because I am old school. I need to, you know, fill the pages. Um, and my goal is to give it to as many underrepresented individuals as I can. I'm donating proceeds, um, portions of, of the proceeds to different organizations that empower underrepresented girls or females. I'm bringing it to different conferences because I want to make sure that women like you and I they empowered early on. It took me 23 years to get into the C-suite. I hope the generation Z is going to take them half that time. Okay. And just one last question on this topic, right? I mean, so we are hearing about silent quitting. Forget about, you know, reaching for the C-suite. The opposite effect is alarming where women are silently quitting the workforce for whatever reasons, right? I mean, any thoughts on how to prevent that from happening? Like at least, I mean, we will be the last person if we don't build a legacy of women and motivate them to stay just beyond that breaking point, right? I mean, what are your observations and what are your thoughts about this trend? That is indeed a very sad trend. I would encourage women that feel discouraged that feel that they have no choice. Go out there, find mentors, find role models. There is a lot of books now being published by underrepresented individuals. You wrote a book. So go find mentors, find that help and guidance because we don't wanna lose you. 
No, please stay. Please do stay and let us help you so you can help the next generation. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I think uh, we've covered the topic of diversity. Now we would like to understand about Yugina from on the personal front. So I'm going to throw you some rapid fire questions. And uh, you know, the rule of this round is that you don't take time to think and you answer in as fast as you can. Okay. Are you ready to go? Yes. Okay. All right. So what is that one thing you cannot live without? Oh, books. Love to read books. Yeah. One favorite book or a popular personality that you keep going to again and again or follow? So it's probably Glennon Doyle. Um, her book, it's the title of her book, Inspired Mind. So her podcast. So it's Glennon Doyle all the way. Okay. Your USP or brand value. Let's say you're not in a room and people are talking about you. And let's say that they are talking positive thing about you. What do you think they are telling? What is your unique USP or brand image that you have built? I hope they say um, that I'm giving, I'm supportive, I'm honest, and I have plenty of stories about it. Um, when I was launching my book, oh no, actually when I, last year when I was laid off and I, I posted on LinkedIn, Someone reached out to me and said that 20 years ago, when I was a receptionist and he was a young engineer, he came to the US and he wanted to go see New York City and he didn't have a credit card. And apparently I bought him a bus ticket to go to New York. 20 years ago, I don't remember. And 20 years later, he's the CTO and he helped me to place many people. So I hope giving, I think that's, Giving, 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 giving. Okay. What did your younger self wanted to be? And if you were to uh, think back and say something to your younger self, what would you say? Are you are you living your dream? Um, just just tell me about it. So my younger self wanted to make a difference in this world, but then I realized that I'm very I'm ordinary. So I realized that the only way for me to make a difference is one person at a time. So, and that I, if I could tell my six-year-old or my 24-year-old, because that's how old I was when I moved out of, out of Russia, I would tell them it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be living your best life with three dogs, with a wonderful husband and a kid going to college and a supportive network of women like you. So just keep doing what you're doing. Stay true to yourself and it's all going to be. <laughs> so a bunch of college grads with exactly the same academic skills come to you and they are seeking a role in your organization. What soft skills will get them a seat at the table? Determination. Determination? The own determination. Determination, oh. hard work. And unfortunately, we, people like you and I, we have to work a little harder. So, but just work hard. And when you reach to our level, make sure that people like you don't have to work as hard. Yeah. Okay. So 
everyone has mentors, right? Do you have a mentor or, you know, do you have those uh, pseudo gods that you follow who, whose actions inspire and also you, you follow them in real life? So my first boss, the CEO of Star and Tash, the Horde, um, was my sponsor, was my mentor, forever grateful to him. And I would say that my spiritual mentor is Brene, Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. her books, yeah, her videos, her books, um, they got me through COVID. They realized it's not just me with all the triggers and everything else. So if one day I can meet her in real life, I would, if she's okay with it, I would give her a big hug and I would just thank her for helping me help others yeah. by teaching me how to accept me for who I am, who I was and who I will be. Okay. Okay. So if you were to do all over again, if you were to repeat your life and do the 20 years all over again, would you do the same things or is there anything that you would never do or you regret? Or what would you do differently? So every single, like you probably know, every single step of your life, every single situation took you to where you are today. So if I didn't marry my first husband, really bad marriage, um, ended up in a divorce, I wouldn't have my son. Yeah. So though the marriage was really bad, I ended up with the, one of the best gifts of my life, my sunshine and everything else. So I wouldn't say um, there is no regrets because I like who I am today. And I hope that the future me in 10 years would say, yes, you're in at 52, you were living in your purpose and I'm proud of you. So. Today, I want to make my 70-year-old or 80-year-old very, very proud of who I am becoming. Okay. All right. What drives you to work every day? Like, why do you wake up every day and do what you do? What is your, what is the fuel? What fuels you? Hmm. Helping others uh -huh. because I work on an industry organization. So I want to make sure that as an industry organization, we deliver value to our members. We help them on their mission to develop, test and validate, and then deploy the solutions. That's what drives me. Okay. So your favorite quote or a thought that you want to leave our listeners and viewers with, your all-time favorite quote or, you know, that keeps coming back to you that you want to share with everyone? I shared it actually on LinkedIn yesterday. It's Madeline Albright. She's actually a fellow immigrant. She, she is Czechoslovakian and she immigrated uh, to the US from the UK, became the Secretary of State. And the favorite quote that I always use is there's a special place in hell for women that don't help other women. <laughs> That's great. Okay. All right. I think that was a very insightful um, you know, session with you, Yugina. And, uh, you know, if you want to share any parting uh, comments or, you know, thoughts with our listeners, or you want to share any handles, LinkedIn, how to reach or your book, please feel free to do so. 
Thank you so much for having me. So Eugenia Jordan, Eugenia with an I, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And if you get the book, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you will give me um, an honest review because just like many of us, I'm learning and improving. And maybe there is a second book on me and you might just like that young lady help me create the new book. Okay. All right. Thank you. And good luck for that and everything else that you aspire to achieve. Uh, keep inspiring and keep your voice and head up. Uh, and we are all rooting for you. And thanks. And I hope to see you in person again. Absolutely. Thank you.